Hi, this is Des, and you're listening to Delving with Des podcast. For Copper, hi, uh, welcome. Des. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. So, I guess the first thing we should ask is where Copper begins and ends. I have no understanding of that. Yep. So, it gives a feel for the area that it covers. So, Cowper is just over seven thousand square kilometres. It starts um, at the bottom of Port Macquarie near the golf course. Oh, right, yeah, right, and and then travels up to just north of Coffs Harbour. And wow. uh, up to the beautiful Dorigo Plateau. Yes. And then out the back of Kempsey. Uh, so it's, it's well, a fairly... That's a huge area. Look, it is, but it's not as big as uh, some of my colleagues' no, uh, no. electorates. So, I'd, look, the, the furthest distance I have to drive in a day is two and a half hours. But yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it is, in my view, um, probably um, a bit biased, but uh, <laughs> it is the most beautiful electorate. In yeah. Australia, I just love it. Yeah, good on you, and, and and I agree with you. I've only been here four years, but <laughs> man, why would you want to go anywhere else? Absolutely. Right? <laughs> well, Pat, thanks for coming in and spending some time with us. I guess as a politician, people don't often get to know who the guy is. So they see you, they know a little bit about your politics. Yeah. Uh, they know you're with the National Party, which you are, uh, but they don't know who Pat is. Yeah. So give us a feel for where you grew up, how you grew up what it felt like, what lessons you may have learnt, and what shaped you into what was going to become your career. Multiple careers, actually. Yeah, look, <laughs> it's funny you say that, because when I do meet people, the response after talking to them for 10 or 15 minutes is, oh, he's just a normal bloke. Well, that's good, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And I think that's because I, I did grow up in Kempsey. Oh, uh, cool. Born and bred in Kempsey. I was... The youngest of five kids. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, no TV in the house. Uh, well, we didn't have a TV <laughs> until I was six or seven. Oh, really? Okay. Um, my dad, he was the local doctor. The oh, local right. GP. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he was um, uh, he was a good man. Everybody I talked to remembers him very fondly. He, uh, he died way too early. He died when he was 59. Of, oh, that is young. Yeah, yeah. melanoma. Oh, but um, we had a great life. Yeah. Um, yeah. We were just another... Um, Simple family in yeah. Kempsey growing up, devout Catholics. We'd oh, go, okay, cool. We'd go to cool. church every every Sunday, and yeah. um, my I think my dad shaped who I am. Yeah. He was a very compassionate man and and community minded. Yeah, um, yeah. So look, I grew up, went to the local school there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in high school, I was a little bit spirited, so they <laughs> they shipped me off to boarding school oh, for four <laughs> years. Yeah, but uh, look, I, I love growing up in yeah. Kempsey, yeah. and I've still got a really soft spot. For it, sure. um, I know it has some social issues there, yeah, but yeah. Uh, it, it is my hometown and always will be, despite the fact I live in Port Macquarie now. Yeah. So you said social issues in Kempsey. Let's yeah. talk about that a little bit. Sure. So, what did you think is the stem root of those issues? Because there's plenty of towns that have that, like Tarry, yep. you know, like Kempsey. Yeah. I mean, is there anything underlying in those towns that would lead to? Look, anti-social behaviour, if you want. Yeah, look, I think traditionally it's a a, a poor town or was yes. a poor town. Yeah. Um, a lot of farmers, uh, and um, of course, there's a there's a high indigenous rate. Sure, and um, we'll talk about it a bit later. But um, I was a policeman there from 1989 mm. to 1993, and the social issues still remain. Yeah. And I think that's a real core issue at community level. Yes. Um, yes. You know, we have this the, the argument about the voice at the moment. Yes. My yes. view is these issues need to be solved on the ground, in the community, yes. by the community, yes. not by government. Yes. Uh, government yes. can fund it, 
but uh, we yes. need to address those problems at a local level. And, and, you know, that's so true. I saw that. I spent a lot of time in the Northern Territory yeah. working for a project for the government up there, and you know, the exact same thing applied. Yeah. You know, you, you can throw money at bureaucrats, but that doesn't necessarily fix the problems on the ground. That's a, that's exactly right. Yeah. And in many issues, and this is something I have been concentrating on in my time as a politician, mm. um, I see the funding doesn't actually hit the ground. Yes. Uh, yes. It hits various levels of bureaucracy, Yes, uh, but it doesn't actually help the people that we're supposed to be helping. Exactly. And that's yeah. a real problem, I think, for the community overall, no matter where you are, even in Port Macquarie, I guess, Absolutely. same thing applies. So let me ask you, I mean, you mentioned the fact you had a very strong Catholic upbringing. Mm. Do you think that upbringing, from a Catholic point of view, influences how you feel about things today? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, I still go to Mass. Oh, you do? Uh, oh, yeah, good. Yeah, oh, good man. Absolutely. Good. Yeah. Um, and my family go with me, not as yeah. not as often as I would <laughs> hope, but that's what happens with teenage yeah. boys. Uh, yeah. So it definitely shaped yeah. who I am. Yeah, uh, cool. I think... Christianity, well, our, our society is based on yes. Christianity. Yes, it is. Um, yeah. So for me, you know, I still pray. And, Good. Uh, yeah, and it's something I think was ingrained in me yeah. with my father. Yeah. Um, and, you know, whether you you call it God or the universe, or I, I think there's a, it gives you a real peace yes. when you yes. are able to sit down, be quiet, yeah. You know, whether it's in church or on top of a mountain, yes, uh, yes. you know, I, I think it's really important spiritually, uh, and it, it does give you that peace, and and I think it opens up your mind uh, to what you're doing and where you're going. Yeah, and it must affect decisions that you would make morally as well as physically. Absolutely, it, you know. So you know, there's lots of debate around gender issues and all those things. Yep. And I would imagine that your faith would would direct you in certain ways in that space. Every single day of the week. Yeah. Um, yeah. Particularly uh, down in Parliament. Ah, and um, right. I think a number of things have, have shaped... Um, I, I'll put it this way. When the kids come down to visit in Parliament, yeah. uh, I tell them about my background. I tell them I grew up in Kempsey. I tell them I was a policeman, I was a detective, yeah. uh, you know, I was a criminal lawyer. Um and all those things, including my religion, every single day when I make a decision in Parliament, yeah. it's all of those things Great. that yeah. you know, that make allow me to make good judgments or what I believe are good judgments. I mean, and I think that's so important for people in the community to understand that you know here we have a politician who doesn't go with the flow, but is prepared to make a stand based on what his upbringing is, what his values are. And that makes a difference because there's so many politicians that I see in Canberra who just, you know, I'm a, I'm a member of a particular party, not say any party, but, you know, and so I will go the way they go. Yeah, and that's the beauty of being in the National Party. Yeah. Uh, you can actually go against the flow. You can say, well, I don't agree uh, with that policy and yeah. this is the direction I'm going to take or I'm going to vote differently. And the leaders have always said that is the beauty of uh, the National Party. We are a democracy. Yeah. You can make your own decisions. Whereas, and I'm not being political, this yeah. is fact, if you do that in the Labor Party, yeah. you're out. Yes. Um, yeah. and, and similarly with the Liberals. Yes, well, in the Liberal Party, they would disfranchise you, I guess. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's really encouraging. I really love to hear that because there's so much cynicism about politicians. Yeah. To get one who actually is prepared to stand up and say, this is what I believe in, these are my values, you know, I will vote this way on this cause because it's who my 
who I am and who my electorate want me to be. Yep, and it's so important that that people know that, and uh, I've proven that over the past four years. There's been a a handful of occasions where I've come out in the media and said I don't don't agree with the way the National Party or the Coalition are going on this, and and this is my position. So as the court, we'll we'll get into your background in a little minute, but just one question when it comes to mind. I mean, the whole coalition of the Liberals and Nationals is a strained relationship quite often. Is it a healthy relationship, do you think? Look, um, I've always said that we're treated like the poor cousins. Yes, Um, that's always been the case, really, hasn't it? And... uh, when we were in party, quite often I would remind the Liberal Party that, but for the National Party, you wouldn't be in government. Yes, that's right. Uh, because we formed the numbers. And yeah. there, was a, there is a coalition agreement. Uh, it's a partnership, but it doesn't always uh, go to plan. And we do have fights yeah. like any family. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. we, we have generally uh, the same principles, the same ideology, yeah. and that's why we work together so well. Um, but we're not afraid to say, well, no, yeah. we're not. We're not going down that path. Again, we're going to come back to your your, your uh, career in a, mil- a minute, but just following this train of thought, if we can, and um, we're just about to take a short break. But um, it seems to me, as as somebody who's apolitical, for the want of a better word, uh, that the Liberal Party has compromised a lot of its values. Is would you reflect abso- on that? Absolutely agree with yeah. that. Um, yeah. In the last term, and of course it was my first term, yeah. I was of the view that they were going way too far to the left yes. and they had walked away from their conservative base, yes. from yes. their conservative voters. And that was seen uh, with religious discrimination yeah. where half a dozen crossed the floor to, to vote with Labor, yeah. Right. Um, yeah. with the gender issues, with... Um, I'll, I'll call it all the woke issues. Yes, yes. Um, and... Um, that is why they were, um, I won't say wiped out, that is why they had such a poor mm. election result, uh, yes. whereas the National Party members, all 21 of us, held our seats. Wow, yeah. I mean, that's really good. So we're going to take a short break, and then we're going to talk about your career before you ended the politics. Okay, We'll great. be back shortly. You're listening to Delving with Des. Hi, you're back on Devlin with Tess, and we have Pat, Pat Conaghan with us, the federal member for Copper. And we've been talking about, we got involved in talking about the political, political issues, but I want to step back and talk about your career. So you went to school locally? Went to school locally until um, year nine, yeah. uh, and then I went down to Sydney for four years. Uh, that must have been a shock. Uh, well, it was. It yeah. was. And uh, I, th- I said earlier, I was a little bit spirited, but uh, yeah. the brothers sorted me out yeah. and, uh, <laughs> down in boarding school. But it was a good good thing. It actually taught me some discipline, taught yeah. me actually how to study properly, right? Uh, which I used later in yeah. life to do my law degree. Wow. So what school did you go to in Sydney? Uh, St. Joseph's College okay. at Hunters Hill. Oh, cool. Joey's. Uh, yeah. it, it was a good school. Um, mm. But I... I had experienced enough freedom at the yes. age of fourteen to yeah. to it was a real shock to the system. Yes. And I, I loved, as I said, growing up in Kempsey. I surfed Crescent Head every single weekend. Wow! Uh, yeah, wow. and uh, do you still surf? I, s- I still surf. The board's Good. getting longer and longer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I still surf. And Good. It's great to Good. be out th- out with my my boys. Yeah, you know, surfing together. Ah, cool. Yeah. So I I finished year twelve and. Uh, Took a bit of a gap year. And, yes. Uh, didn't really know what I wanted to do. Yeah. 
uh, did a bit of uh, labouring as a plumber's labourer and oh, bricky's labourer. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, well, that would get, give you a language difference for a start, wouldn't it? Yeah. Working around those sort of yeah, guys. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but um, I, I love being with people. I yeah. love actually yeah. talking, and, yeah. and uh, which probably led me to do what I, I'm doing now. But um, around that time, my, my father was very ill. Uh, um, yeah. uh, I was 18, turning 19. Yeah. So, you know, I did stay at home quite a bit. Uh, and... Um, he passed away when I went to the police academy. I signed, oh. signed up. I thought, look, not sure what I want to do. I'll yeah. join the police for a couple of years yeah. and then I'll work it out. So 12 years later, I was still in the police force. Wow. But, uh, in Kempsey? I, um, I finished uh, the six months down at the police academy in yeah. Goulburn yeah. and I was stationed back at Kempsey. Right, uh, because my father just passed away, and then they uh, put me back oh, there. Right. Well, that's compassionate, a, that's ground. a good decision. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I loved the cops. Oh, did it, you? Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I, I had three years in Kempsey, uh, firstly in general duties in uniform. Yeah. yeah, and after about twelve months, they put me into plain clothes. Um, right. Like detective type yeah, work? Okay. that's right. Yeah. And um, you need to do a couple of years in plain clothes before you can uh, undergo the detective's course. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, so I did that. And after a few years, I was transferred to Sydney uh, as a detective in the Drug Enforcement Agency. Wow, that would be interesting. It was great work. Yeah, and yeah. Um, the I must have showed a a little bit of cheek or a little bit of flair because they stationed me or put me in what was then called the undercover unit. Ah, okay. And I had two years full-time undercover. So wow. I looked quite different. I had a, a, a goatee and long hair down, oh. <laughs> down my back and yeah, yeah. three earrings and I've still got the holes in my uh. ear to, to prove it. So how did your family deal with you being in that sort of squad? Well, the, the rule was you couldn't actually see your family. So Oh, really? Yeah, I, I saw my family once in two years. So um, wow. it was it was That's fully immersed in, yeah. in the criminal underworld. Wow. And I was only 23. Wow, so that's crazy. It, it was. And I look back yeah. now and I think I was so young and silly, I didn't realise how really dangerous it yeah. was. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, we, we were doing drug deals for a couple of kilos of cocaine or a, a pound of um, heroin. Uh, wow. So they were, they were big, they big, they were big amounts back then. So how do you draw a moral line between being in the police undercover and doing those sort of deals mm. and how you feel as a person? How do you reconcile those things? Look, um I actually back then, as I said, I was yeah. I was young and, yeah. and you know silly, and I, I treated it more like a game okay. uh, than anything. Okay. Yeah. But these people were doing the wrong thing. You yeah, know, we would go, we would infiltrate their groups, and you know they'd be arrested and sent away yeah. for you know many many years. Yes, yes. Um, so I guess uh, look, I, I didn't even consider it work. I was enjoying myself that much. Oh right, right. Um, it, it was just a part of my life. I look back on and think. I don't think I'd like my teenage sons, well, once no. they grow up, I don't think I'd like them doing it yeah. now. I mean, well, it's a different world now than it was It is a different then. world. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you, you, didn't, you didn't have a social media footprint back there. Yeah, yeah it was exactly. Only, mobile telephones were only something fairly new. Yeah. Um, so, look, I enjoyed that work. But when I transitioned out, it was funny because I, I had a, a little bit of a distrust of police when I came out, wow. and a little bit like a, 
a pseudo Stockholm syndrome. Right. Where, because I was dealing with the underworld so much. Yes. I did have encounters with police who didn't know that I was oh, one of, of them. Of course, yes. So yes. it took me oh, it took me a good 12 or 18 months to get that mindset back that, you know, yeah. I wasn't a crook. I was yes. a police officer. Yeah. So um, you weren't married or anything at no, that stage? No, no, no. Well, I mean, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, I transitioned out for another couple of years just in what was called the, the support unit in the Drug right. Enforcement oh, Agency. Okay which was a, just a, a general uh, detective squad. Oh, right, okay. Uh, and, um, yeah, after that, I, I recall one day thinking, I can't do this all my life. So yeah. I decided to open the study books. Oh, right. So you said, studied law. Yep. So uh, did you do that in Sydney or? I started in Sydney uh, at Sydney University, yeah. uh, but then transferred to New England up at uh, oh, yeah. Armidale. Yes. And I found that course much better, but I, I knocked it over in record time. I did it in three and a half years. As opposed to? Uh, normally it takes five. Oh, wow. So wow. I, I thought it's time to get moving. Yeah, uh, good for you. I'm, I am enjoying myself in the police. Yeah. But I, I studied, and as soon as I finished, I um, I went to the dark side. So you you were a prosecutor. I uh, was a prosecutor. For a while. Yeah. yeah, I was a prosecutor for nearly four years. Wow! Um, but as a prosecutor, if you complete the prosecutor's course over a twelve month period, you don't actually have to be legally qualified. Oh, is that right? I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. So um, many prosecutors, police prosecutors, are. Yeah. Um, but. Back in my day, yeah. uh, a lot weren't, but were studying at the time. Okay. And you found that as soon as you finished your law degree, which most people think that the police pay for it, they didn't. Oh, right. You had to pay oh, for you had to pay it for yourself. yourself. Oh, yeah, right. Absolutely. Okay. So did you get any grants or anything like that to help you? No. no, just, no. Wow. It just meant I um, didn't go out at night time and <laughs> uh, I lived very frugally. So so you, we said before you went from uh, the prosecutor to the dark side, which is yep. commercial, uh, no, it's criminal word. defense. Cr yep. Criminal defense. How did how did you find that leap? Because I mean, you don't really know where somebody's innocent or not yep. or whatever, but you have to defend them. They have a right to defense. Yep. So how did you find that step across? Look, I found it quite easy because I put some parameters in place. Okay. Um, Explain that a little bit. Okay, so I would say to somebody who. Came and saw me. Let's say it was an assault charge. Yeah, I'd say to them, if you tell me that you did it, then I can't run a plea of not guilty for yes, you because course. you have told yes, me. Yes, yes. Um, but if you tell me you're guilty, I will run the best uh, plea in mitigation yeah. to try and get you the best result. Yes. The other thing I did, even that has got a moral implication, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, if you're like if somebody stole my car, let's say, yeah. you know, and then you come along and you're defending that person and you're trying to get the least impact for them, mm. it, there's sort of, sort of moral issue in there somewhere, isn't there? Well, there is, but yeah. uh, I always say nothing's black and white. Yes, that's true. There's always just different shades of grey. Yeah. And you will look at somebody's background, um, the person who stole your car, might have had a horrible upbringing, might yeah. have had an alcoholic father, yeah. uh, might have been, you know, beaten, um, all these issues. Now, that doesn't make it right. No. But it gives you an indication of why yeah. they're offending. It doesn't mean they shouldn't be punished. Yeah. Uh, but, I, you know... There are mitigating circumstances. Over, over a long period of time. When yeah. I first started as a police officer, it was black and white. By the time I finished as a criminal defence lawyer, there was no such thing. Wow. The other thing I did was... Um, tell myself, and I made it a rule and I never broke it, 
I never took on a child sexual assault or child indecent right. assault uh, or um, child exploitation material. Oh, wow. I never. Because yeah. that's a very hard It, it is very difficult. Yeah. There are plenty of lawyers out there who are willing to do that. Yeah. But it was just uh, because I had seen that as a police officer. Yeah. And I just said, I can't go. I can't cross that line. I can't. If somebody tells me they're guilty of that, I'm, I'm sorry, but I can't yeah. help you. Yeah, no, that's and, I, I like that stand, by the way. Yeah, well, thank yeah. you. And it meant I slept very well at night. Yeah. You know, I, I yeah. had literally hundreds, over 18 years, uh, you know, hundreds of offers of work uh, would have lost a lot of money, but I mm. didn't care. Yeah, no, no. And, and uh, I was married by the time I became a defence lawyer. Oh, right. And my wife said, yeah. That's great. Yeah, good yeah. choice. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So one of the things you mentioned there, and we'll we'll wrap up this, this section with this conversation. You talked about the lack of father influence, and certainly there's lots of statistics that talk around the lack of a father influence, and that's becoming more and more prevalent in our society. Any thoughts around that? Absolutely. Um, the the family unit mm. is the most important thing for yeah. a child growing up. Yeah. And Both I, mother and father. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah. And you do see the statistics now, and yeah. I'm the Shadow Assistant Minister for uh, Prevention of Domestic Violence. Oh, right, right. So I'm, I'm travelling around the country talking to domestic violence groups, right. talking uh, to men's groups. Good. Uh, and the biggest, one biggest issue is that father figure for boys. Yes, totally. Um, so that family unit, mum, dad... Uh, is becoming less and less respected in my yes, view. Yeah. And what we need to do is turn the tables on that yeah. and, and, you know, not be ashamed to say, you know, a mother and a father uh, is, the, is the best model yes. to raise healthy children. Absolutely. We're going to take a short break and we're going to come back with, uh, with our good friend Pat Conaghan and talk about his step then into politics. We'll be back shortly. You're listening to Delving with Des. Hi, we're back with Delving with Des, and we're talking to Pat Conaghan. And just before the break, we were talking about uh, a lot of things around uh, families and the importance of uh, family influence, father influence, the, the importance of the family unit. And also, Pat was talking about the prevention of domestic... Sorry, the... Uh, yeah, prevention of domestic violence, and that's something he's actively involved with in politics. So welcome back, Pat. Thanks, Good, good to have you here. So at some point, you're busily doing the solicitor thing, and a light went on somewhere, and you said, I really should get into politics. Yeah. What was that driving force? So I had 18 years as a solicitor after mm. my career in the police, and it was interesting how I fell into politics. Um Fall is probably the right word. Well, yeah, it, it was. And, and it was something that I never thought that I would do. In, yeah. in fact, I thought I would never do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I always had an interest in politics, just like every every person on the street. Um, but after the revolving door of prime ministers, I mean, I, I grew up yeah. in an age where you had long-term prime yes. ministers. Yes. Um, and I had never seen a prime minister toppled. Yeah. And then we had Rudd, Gillard, Rudd. Uh, Abbott, Turnbull, Morrison. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I, I, I thought, you know, what, what is Australia coming to? And I remember one day 
literally yelling at the television at the Prime Minister, and the Prime Minister was Malcolm Turnbull at the time. Yeah. And uh, it's no secret, I wasn't a fan of Malcolm <laughs> Turnbull, and he was from allegedly my side of politics. Uh, allegedly is the right word, I yeah, think. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, in, in my view, he was one of our worst Prime Ministers and yeah. continues to be one of our worst ex-Prime Ministers. Yes, yes. Uh, I have a view that once you've finished in the role, you should uh, yes, quietly you disappear. Out. Exactly. And let, let like the, John Hard and Abbott as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, let the Prime Minister of the day uh, do his or her job. So yeah. um, I was yelling at the television and my wife said, well, if you think you can do better, stand up. And wow. that's exactly what I did. I, next day I wow. signed up for the National Party. And what, like literally the next day? Literally the next day. Wow. Why the National Party? Well, um, I was living in Port Macquarie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, Port Macquarie or Cowper has yeah. been represented by the National Party for, you know, over 100 years. Yeah, wow. And um, to me, my, my values aligned with the National Party. Right, right. And... You know, don't be fooled. The National Party and the Liberal Party are not the same beast. Yeah. Uh, the Liberal Party, um, in my view, city-centric, generally, um, and the National okay. Party represent country people. But I think there's a bigger difference, too, as well as... I mean, the the right hand of politics um, is represented by not many. I mean, it's certainly not by the Liberal Party anymore. Yeah. Um, it, it is by the National but also you've got... One Nation and all those other yeah. fringe groups as well, Christian groups as well, yeah. uh, and so yeah, so I can understand why you, you would you would choose the National Party. Were you comfortable with the National Party once you got to know it? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, in the National Party, we're a very broad church. Yeah. We can have differing opinions yeah. without being uh, ostracised or um, kicked out of the party. Yes. Now yes. you've seen, in my view, the the Liberal Party lost. I think it was 16 or 17 seats yeah. in the last election. Yeah. And the reason they lost it, because they walked away from their conservative base. The core values. The, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. They, they went to the left, they went to the woke, trying to please everybody. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it backfired on them. Yeah. And yeah. I saw, uh, even in my uh, electorate, people who had previously voted for me yeah. said, look, sorry, Pat, you're part of the co coalition we're voting One Nation or we're voting for wow. uh, the Christian parties because yeah. we feel the coalition's walked away. Yeah. A and yeah. That, that was so true. Yeah, yeah. So how do, you, how do you manage that as a politician in your world so that you're able to stand for the things that are of core value to you? Well, I say it as it is. Yeah, um, yeah. I met on the weekend with uh, an organisation called Reignite Democracy and they're, oh, right. they're generally... Uh, one Nation voters. Oh, right, okay. Uh, because I want them to know that I actually do stand for conservative values, yes, yeah. do have family values, uh, am a Christian, yeah, uh, Catholic, yeah, yeah. Uh, and for them to actually see who I am. Yeah, that's no, so important. Uh, yeah. Exactly, because you don't actually get to know your local representative by looking at the TV. No, you, no, you don't understand not. who he or she is yeah. until you actually sit down and have a chat. And that's so hard for people to get to know you. I mean, this is a great venue yeah. that we can actually can talk about your world and, and how you look at things. But normally people wouldn't get the chance to talk to their local MP. And, and that's exactly why I have my mobile offices. Yeah, uh, yeah. Every week I'll go to one of the smaller communities, say, let's say Repton or uh, oh, Willowarren right. or Bellbrook, and yeah. I'll, I'll advertise, I'll put it on the radio, I'm going to be in your community this week. Yeah. Come and see me. And it, do they? Oh, absolutely. Wow. In, in uh, Only last week I had Dorigo and where was the other place? Oh, Gladstone. Oh, yeah. New yeah. Kempsey. 
and uh, I had um, over 40 people. Oh, that's great. Yeah, come and see me. Yeah. And I'm only there for two hours yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Each, each time. Uh, but people are lining up at the door just to have a chat or if yeah. they have an issue. And I don't care whether it's a local, state or federal issue. Yeah. I can sit down, talk to them about it and give yeah. them advice exactly. on, on what to do and where to go. So you're, the first day you arrived in Canberra as the member for Copper, and maybe we should talk before we do that, yep. is how you got elected. So you joined the National Party. Was there an existing member at that point? Uh, yeah, L- Luke Hartsooker was the... A federal member, yeah, and yeah. Uh, in Port Macquarie we had Leslie Williams, although she's yeah, uh, gone yes. over to the Liberal Party. Yes. That's another issue. Leslie's a very good member. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and she's really friends. committed. She is very committed. probably different values. I mean, I've interviewed Leslie for the show. Yeah, and so you know she has much more centre of the road policies I, as opposed to right wing policies. Yeah, look, yeah. I think. Um, I would say Leslie has liberal values. Yes, um, yes, yes. But uh, there was a member at the time, Luke Hartsuka, and uh, he he retired in 2019 and I took the opportunity then to yeah. run for pre-selection. Yeah. Uh, there were five other uh, National Party candidates and, and um, I was successful wow. in being pre-selected. Yeah. And then we had the election that we weren't supposed to win yes. in 2019 yes. and, yes. and uh, I was elected as the, the uh, ninth... Uh, federal member for Calpa. Wow. So how did that feel for you? I mean, you'd been a policeman, you'd been a solicitor, you'd done all those things, and here you were, um, pushed by your wife to uh, to put your money where your mouth is. Yeah. And so what was it like? I mean, obviously it was a celebration for a while, but then the rubber hits the road, right? Yeah, look, it was surreal. Yeah. Uh, and I have to admit, because I'd never... I, I hadn't come up through... Uh, a political office. I was never yeah. a political staffer, you know, police officer, lawyer. Yeah. Um, I was like a rabbit in the headlights for about 12 months. Oh, really? Absolutely. <laughs> it took you that long? It did. Yeah, and right. even to the point where walking down the street, I would be a little bit apprehensive when people came up because I didn't yeah. I didn't know everything. Yeah, yeah. And it was a very steep learning curve. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, if you haven't had experience with... Uh, Centrelink or the NDIS yes, or other yes. federal issues, it's it's a, a very deep pond to dive into. No, no, exactly. Uh, Is it? Do you think people expect you to have all the answers? They do. Okay. They cool. do. They yeah. they expect the answer on the spot. Wow. Uh, and they do appreciate if you say to them, "Look, I, I don't know. I'll get back to you." Yeah. But the yeah. most important thing is you to get, get back, back to them, them. exactly. Uh, but exactly. now, after four years, uh, I'm very comfortable in the role. Um, yeah. I, I feel like I'm still growing every single day. I can imagine. Uh, but people, I now walk down the street, people know me, they talk to me. Yeah. I very rarely get somebody who has a has a go at me. Oh, right. In, th- in fact, I, I think, well, I know, it's only happened twice in four years. Wow. Uh, but my response is, hey, listen, I'm not your political punching bag. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. will bite back. Yes, um, yes. Because whilst I'm you know, paid by the taxpayer... Yeah, you know, I'm here to serve. I'm this, not your servant. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Yeah. And so that's interesting. So tell me, um, obviously, going to the federal parliament for the first time, there would be surprises that that you confronted with. Talk about some of those things that you maybe didn't expect to see there, or was different than your expectation. It, it, it's a whole different world, and they call it the bubble, the Canberra bubble, for yeah. a reason because yeah. you are in a vacuum. Yeah. And it's a world uh, that the um, 
ordinary person will never experience, never see. And I, I'm, I make a point of taking people from the electorate through, oh, right. through the you know yeah. the back doors of Parliament yeah. to, get, to to show them what actually happens, how things work. Uh, you can't explain it. It is it is like a beehive in there. Yeah. There's about five thousand people that work in the yeah. house. Wow. Yeah, and uh, it is from the second you get in there, and I get in at six o'clock in the morning, wow. and I leave at nine or ten o'clock at night. Wow. And every single you've no home life when you're in Canberra. Oh no, absolutely <laughs> no. Uh, and and these stories that you hear about politicians going out and getting on the drink and having long yeah. dinners. I certainly tell you now, I don't do it. I can't do it because I, yeah. I don't have time. Yeah. Every yeah. minute of my day is planned. Yeah. It's crazy. You're talking about the Parliament House. Would you believe that actually designed a lot of the electronics, the networks that are in Parliament House? Is in, that right? In the 80s. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, so the, I'm aware of the building and how it looks and all that yeah. sort of stuff and so forth. So that's really, it's really, really cool. We're going to take a short break and we're going to come back and talk more about policies and what an average day would look like for you Pat so we'll be back shortly you're listening to Delving with Des hi we're back with Delving with Des and we've got Pat Connigan again with us and we were talking just before the break about the surprises and things that he found when he joined um, when he became the member of Parliament for Copper representing Port Macquarie and the surrounding area so life in politics is very different from most other jobs in the world, because your uh, your values are in the spotlight all the time. So, what I'd like to give you the opportunity to do is talk about, you know, what is important to you, what your values are, what how you how you look at things in our world, because our world is changing so dramatically. Yeah. So let's talk about things like let's talk about your average day. What would your average day look like? And I guess it's different when you're back home than when you're in Parliament House. But in Parliament House, yeah. what would your day look like? Well, Parliament, uh, an ordinary day in Parliament, uh, as I said previously, every every minute of my day yeah. is planned. Wow. Uh, from the second I get in at 6 o'clock in the morning until I leave uh, at you know 8 or 9 o'clock at night. Wow. Um, because... Firstly, you have the, the predominant job is to look at the, the bills that are coming through, yeah, yeah. the legislation, uh, take a view of um, whether you know, it accords to your principles. Yes. Um, yes. If it does, fantastic. You go into the – we have a um, party room meeting every Monday morning, which goes yeah. for a, a couple of hours, and we discuss those policies. Is that party just national party? Or? On, on the Monday morning, right, it's okay. just national party. Yeah. Um, we start at eight o'clock with the uh, ministers, shadow ministers meeting right. at the moment. So right. we'll do that, and then we'll go to the, the national party room, and we'll discuss the issues, discuss the policies. Yeah. Uh, and if we agree as a room, uh, then on a, on a Tuesday we will go to the coalition party room. Uh, right. And, okay. And, and debate the, the the policies and the bills that are coming through. So we talked before about the difference between the Liberal Party and the National Party. That must make for interesting conversations in that in the joint party room, I guess. It does. You know, it's a marriage between the Liberal Party and, and the <laughs> National Party, and like any marriage, you've got to work on it. Yes. yes. And I quite often say um, that on occasions the National Party are treated by uh, treated like the poor cousins yeah, of the yeah, Liberal Party. Yeah. Uh, and we quite often remind them that um, when we were in power, they were in power because of us, yes, you know, that yes. we made up the numbers. Yes. Um, but generally, we get along well, yeah. uh, but we don't always agree on everything, and that's where the leadership team 
um, yeah. go behind closed doors and, and you know, try and nut out the, the resolution. So who's the current leader of the National Party? That's David Littleproud. David Littleproud, yeah, okay. David Littleproud, his seat's up at Maranoa uh, in far north Queensland. Okay, okay, yeah, right. He... He came from an agricultural background. Right. Uh, his right. father was in Parliament up at uh, in Queensland. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he's a good leader. He's he's yeah. uh, in his forties. Um, oh, good. He has united the party room. Uh, I oh, think that's in, the, good. in the last term there was uh, quite a bit of division, and uh, but now we're, we're settled. It's 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 entirely different being in opposition than it yes, was in, of course. in, in, yes, in government of course. Uh, and can be quite difficult and frustrating at times. Yes, yeah, I get that. Um, it made me appreciate that when we were in government and I was a backbencher, it was much easier to get the funding for what we needed yes. uh, in the electorate yes, of uh, course. than it is in opposition because uh, it's very hard to get through the door. Yeah, no, no, I understand that. So, But it's really good that you have somebody who's in their 40s leading the party for longevity reasons, yep. for consistency, all those things. I mean, that's really a g- really good that you've got somebody of that uh, of that age. It is uh, as and, a leader and somebody who can unite the party yeah, room. Yeah, uh, and I think David will be there for some time, and I hope. Uh, in the not-too-distant future, we're back in government, and I think he'll make a, a great um, Deputy Prime Minister. It's going to be very interesting in the next couple of years to well, see what happens going, looking at where politics is right now. Yeah. And I have, do have an interest in politics, so I mean, I've got my own uh, views of the world. Yeah. But talk to me about how, as a national MP, you deal with our brothers in the Labour movement. How does that work or not work? Well, just to explain, the Labor Party uh, have factions, and, and yes. people most some people understand that you have your your your, your right, your yeah. centre, and and your your left. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, um, they're just people. Yes. And like society, you get along with some people, and you don't yes. get along with other yes. people. Yeah. Um, what you see on question time isn't the reality of how Parliament works. Oh, we, sure. We work on committees. Uh, yeah. And you asked me what we did in a general, a general day down in Parliament. We'll, we'll have various committees, right. uh, backbench committees, um, joint select committees. I'm on I'm the deputy chair of the Social Policy and Legal Affairs Committee. I've been the right. chair of the Road Safety Committee, uh, various other committees. We actually sit down and generally we work quite well together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we work... We work to be able to get through a committee and make a recommendation that both sides agree yeah. on. Occasionally, you'll have to put in a dissenting report. Yes. So, well, I don't agree with that, and yeah. the government of the day will take it up. Yeah. Uh, I, I uh, try and have good relationships with the Labor members. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some people I like, some people I tolerate, and they probably say, say <laughs> the same about me. Yeah, uh, yeah. But um, in order to get things done, particularly in opposition, yeah. you have to have good relationships. You know, I, yeah, I prefer someone from Labor say, oh, look, Pat Conaghan's not a bad bloke. You know, yeah. he's, he's better than some of them. Yeah. Uh, I'm happy to work with him. At the end of the day, ideology will always be different. Values will yes. always be different. Yes. Um, but, you know, if you treat people decently, yes. they generally uh, react the same well, way. Well, they'll accept your differences yep. because of who you are. Yeah. Right? So so let's be a bit more specific uh, because the big thing in politics at the moment in Australia is the voice. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, people say it'll bring the nation together. A lot of other people say it will divide the nation um, along racial grounds. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts around the voice? 
I don't know who's saying it will unite the nation because all we have seen through uh, over the past six months is division. Yes. And um, that's exactly why I say to people, well, I can't vote for something that is dividing the nation even before we get to a referendum. And especially, I guess, since we don't know what the specifics are yeah. of how the voice will actually work in practice. That's right. How it's, can you vote for something like that? Look, there is absolutely no detail on mm. how the voice will work, yeah. uh, let alone how it's structured, who will be on there, what's the definition of um, Aboriginality, yes. um, whether the voice is an only an advisory body. Mm. I was put on the Joint Select Committee for the voice to right. travel around Australia right. to listen to the submissions. And very deliberately so, Labor has conflated the two issues. One, should we recognise Indigenous people yeah. as First Nation in yeah. the Constitution? Yeah. And two... Should they have a voice to parliament? Now, if a, a, an additional voice yeah, to an parliament. An additional voice, thank yeah. you. The first issue, um, I think almost every Australian would say, sure. Mm. Indigenous people, uh, Aboriginal people were uh, the first people to Australia. Yeah. Um, happy to, to recognise that in the constitution. But the second question, should they have an yeah. additional voice yeah. um, when we don't know any detail and yeah. deliberately... Labor has deliberately done it that way, um, then most people that I speak to yeah. say no. Yeah. And those who say yes, it's a very emotive yes. reason. Oh, well, you know, they were treated atrociously. We all recognise that, uh, you know, in the past, Aboriginal people were treated terribly. Yeah. Uh, whether you agree with colonialism or not, I mean, it happened it's around history. the world yeah. over centuries. Yes. Um, we have taken huge steps in the past mm. few decades for reconciliation and uh, to make amends. Yeah. And let's face it, there are 11 senators and members in the House of Representatives who are Indigenous, yes. which is actually an over-representation of Aboriginal yes. people in Parliament. In terms of percentage, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think it's an insult to them to say Aboriginal people aren't yeah, represented represented. in Parliament. Yeah. Yeah. Then you have over 1,100 agencies around Australia yeah. that represent solely Aboriginal people. Somebody told me there's an organisation in Canberra who do exactly what The Voice will do. They represent, they, as a body, yep. they represent the Aboriginal community to government. And, and that is the National Indigenous Agency, That's NIAA. The one? Yeah. Um, yeah. And that is their role. Yeah. So, um, to me, to say they're not uh, Aboriginal people aren't represented um, is uh, is untrue. Yeah. And um, to want to put uh, another body in in the constitution uh, to me uh, it, it is unnecessary and mm. will divide the nation. And in my view, it will fail and will set us back. Yeah. In terms yeah. of reconciliation. That's that's so true. Um, Pat, before we leave, we're running out of time. I want to give you an open mic to talk to the people of Port Macquarie, people who are listening to this, either the podcast or to the show, um, and an and open mic to say what you want to say to the people. The floor is now yours. Look, I think we need to go back to basics. Yeah. We need to go back to our values. Uh, I said recently, I love growing up in the 70s and 80s. Things yes. were simple yes. or simpler. Uh, I'd happily give up the mobile phone and the microwave oven to go back to, <laughs> go back to those days. But it, it comes back to, you know, common decency, manners mm. and, and being yeah. good 
good to each other yeah. and respectful to each other. Yeah. Uh, and if we get back to those basics, uh, I think we'll be a better community and a better mm. nation. Yeah. Um, generally, um, if I t- talk about politics, we need to step back and start governing for the people yeah. and start looking outwardly rather than inwardly. Yeah. Uh, I've said for ever since I've been in this role that uh, celebrity has slipped into politics. Yeah. We're not celebrities. Yeah. No. You know, um, no. We're politicians. We're elected by the people. Yes. And we should be here to uh, represent the people and not be the first one on Twitter or, or on the news, yeah. you know, yeah. having a crack at the other side. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we need to do our job and, and not think about yeah. ourselves. I think that's, that's brilliant. We've been talking today to Pat Conigan, who's a member for Copper in the House of Representatives. Pat, thank you so much for your time. It's been great interviewing you today. It's been great. Thanks, Des. You have been listening to the podcast of Delving with Des.